0: I'm in love with my Savior and He's in love with me. He is with me from day to day. What a friend is He. Watches over me while I sleep and He hears me when I pray. I'm as happy as I can be. Now I can say, Somebody loves me and He answers my prayer. I love somebody. I know He cares. Somebody me not to reply that somebody is jesus and i know he's mine you'll be happy if you will let jesus have his way he has work for us all to do every passing day
1: Fellas, can you help me out with the pulpit today? Drop that thing. Some of these young guys are like, we don't want to touch that. That thing's too heavy for us. (laughs) Cody ain't saying that. He would never say that, would you, Cody? I don't want to grab that thing anymore, I'll tell you that. That thing's heavy right there. All right, we're in our um, great miscalculations and mistakes series. And we've just got another week or so left, maybe. I think next week we'll finally uh, finish this out. But uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the mark of the beast. But uh, actually, we're going to be talking about those that take it. But nonetheless, today, we're going to be uh, addressing this issue again. Romans 15, 4, for whoso- whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And so, again, the whole goal is to try to avoid the pitfalls and the problems that exist in the Christian life. And we want to learn by others' mistakes, not our own. And uh, we can't say that enough. I grew up my whole life listening to that all the time. My parents were constantly saying, man, don't be stupid, Mark. You know, learn by the mistakes of others. Don't learn the hard way. You know, you can learn that way and you'll learn that way, but you'd be better off to learn from the mistakes of others. So I heard that growing up all the time. And that's a biblical principle. And so today we want to continue in this vein and we want to look at some things. Again, we uh, noted a number of things. I got to turn it on here. There we go. It always works better when you have the power. But anyway, so we, we notice here, uh, Eve believes Satan, and we can talk about all these different ones. Cain envied his brother. Lot made the mistake of thinking he could get close to the world without the world rubbing off on him. Just a number of different principles we've learned along the way. So many things that we've learned, and as you can see, uh, I mean, just one right after the other. I, I'm almost amazed that it's been that long. 18 different weeks or at least 18 different characters we touched on. And uh, so we're, we're wrapping it up here very soon. But last week, of course, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira. They made the mistake of believing they could cover up their sin and miscalculate the consequences of lying. And so today we want to continue now with another character in the Word of God that can teach us uh, some principles that we can learn some things from. We're going to talk about King Agrippa. We're going to talk about King Agrippa tonight. In King Agrippa, chapter uh, 26 of the book of Acts, we're going to read from that passage. Who will read that for me tonight uh, with our King James Bible? Let's see, there's, uh, uh, who will read through verse 28, and then somebody 29 to 32. So verse 30 through 28, and then who will read uh, the rest of the way? I thought I saw a hand over here. Uh, yeah, right here. Yeah, you're closer in the front. People can hear you more more centrally located. Very good. All right. Let's go ahead and read that then, if you would, please, brother. Thus does spake for himself. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. With much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Thessus, but speak forth the words of truth and so- soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believes. Thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, Bernice, niece, and Dana sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, of his bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed Caesar. In Acts chapter 26, we find basically the longest of five speeches that the Apostle Paul made in defense, obviously, of himself and the gospel. And so we're getting an opportunity to hear from the Apostle Paul. He's getting into some things. Here he ultimately shares his testimony, he shares the gospel. But He was accused of a number of false charges here, and that's why he ends up before Festus. That's why he ends up before Agrippa here, because he'd been charged of all kind of false charges. And as a result of that, here he stands before these these Roman uh, leaders, and uh, he's going to go ahead and share his testimony, as we said already. Being a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar. He could have simply said, uh, you know, they, they, they tried to treat him just like he was a Jew which he was Jewish but he was also a Roman citizen. As a Roman citizen he had some rights. They couldn't just simply treat him uh without rights. Uh you know, just like as an American citizen we're, we we were supposed to have some rights because of our citizenship. And as a result of that, we we are treated differently in our court system. You know, you're not supposedly uh you're not uh guilty till uh, you're not let's see you're not guilty wait you're innocent till proven guilty. I'm really having a hard time with that one in our court system these days. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, so, uh, but that's the way it's supposed to be at least, okay? And, that, and that's the way they tell us it is. And I hope that's the way it is when they start trying to throw us Christians in jail. But, because uh, if they try to do things the way they did with Paul, then it won't matter, right? You're guilty before it just doesn't matter. That's what was the problem with uh, Paul. He was already guilty. It just didn't matter. Uh, you know Felix and Festus did not like him they, they didn't want him to go free but before it's over with they're trying to find a good reason to send him to Caesar because whenever he made the plea to say I want to go to Caesar's court I want to go ahead and appeal to the highest court in the land so to speak all of a sudden they started scrambling and Festus is getting all worried now and he's thinking man I don't even have a good charge to send up with him and so I need to get some advice here I got to figure out what I'm gonna do because I'm gonna look like the laughing stock of all of, of Judaism and a lacking laughing, laughing stock of all of rome if i don't have a good reason for sending this guy before caesar so he runs over and he starts talking to agrippa and he says hey agrippa listen i got this guy named paul and and i need to know what charge to give him i need to know how to how to to to, you know um to to present him to caesar because right now i don't even have a good reason for sending him there but because he's a roman citizen i didn't let him go ahead of time i have really messed up i made a big error and now he's appealed to caesar's court and i can't let him just go now What am I going to do? And Agrippa says, Paul's here? Paul's here now? I mean, he's in the area. He's in Caesarea? Oh, yeah, we've got him right here. I want to see him. I want him to make his case before me. And that's how Paul ended up before Agrippa. And so now we have Agrippa here and Paul, and he's making his case before this king. So we think about King Agrippa's history. And we're going to talk about his history. Uh, We're going to look at a, a... um, a couple of things about Agrippa, and then we're going to make some applications, okay? So let's go ahead, and uh, before we do that, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Lord, we ask your God that you would just be with us tonight. Speak to our hearts in these next few minutes. May we be encouraged by what we're going to learn, and also, Lord, uh, be encouraged by what we can apply to our life. We'll thank you and praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. So anyway, we have this this king now, uh, King Agrippa, and he's the, he's the man, the focal point. He's the one we really want to focus on here and we're going to learn a little bit about him. First of all, we want to talk about his history. King Agrippa was the second Agrippa. So there were other Agrippas in the Bible and King Agrippa was the great-grandson of Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great, of course, was the one who tried to kill infant Jesus. Remember, he said, anyone, all the children are two years and under, go ahead and murder them, kill them, because he was trying to protect his kingdom. Well, that was his great-grandfather who did that, okay? Agrippa's father, however, was King Agrippa I. He was also known as Herod Agrippa. You read about him in the book of Acts, chapter 12. He's the one also that we know sought to, uh, you know, be, he beheaded James. He arrested Peter and attempted attempt to kill him. Ultimately, like I said, said God got upset with him in chapter 12 as we read down here verses 21 through 23 when it says and upon a set day Herod arrayed in royal apparel sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them the people gave a shout saying it is the voice of a God and not of a man and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten with of worms and gave up the ghost that was his father Okay, that was his father. Now we have this king, we have this King Agrippa that Paul stands before now, who is King Agrippa II, okay? So that's the relationship that we have. King, Agri- king Agrippa, uh, uh, King Herod, excuse me, was, uh, his great grandpa, and then of course his dad was, was, uh, King Agrippa the first, or Herod Agrippa, if you will. Herod Agrippa also was considered an authority of Jewish affairs. He had studied the Jewish religion. He himself was a Jew. He was born Jewish, but he was raised Roman. And so here he is now. He's got a handle on Jewish scriptures. He, he's dealt with Jewish conflicts. He's kind of entered into that arena on a number of occasions. Eventually, Rome appointed him as a curator of the temple, which meant that he was the one who would choose who was going to be the high priest. He also had to do, had dealt with the finances of the, the, of the temple as well, the treasury of the temple. So he had quite a bit of authority. He was somebody in the Jewish faith, in that sense, at least in the sense that he he had a, a, he played a factor and a role in in their faith. So when Paul starts talking to him about the fact that you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You you understand exactly what I'm saying? It's because he had a very a very strong background in that Jewish faith. Agrippa didn't have any children, but when he met Paul, he was living with uh, uh, his, his basically had an ancestral relationship with his sister. His sister was a year younger than him. His sister had been married before at the age of 13. She had had two children with another guy, and then now she is she's she's uh, they're staying with her brother, and uh, they're they're acting like they're married. Okay, so we got problems with that. Okay, so we got a very wicked man here who's also unfortunately uh, has authority even in the very temple of God. So. At, at this point, which we understand that the Jewish faith uh, neglected and did not recognize Christ as Savior and Lord, we understand that. But still, they were a religious people, and here we have somebody that's extremely ungodly that's uh, overseeing that. So you got to believe there was a number, uh, a tremendous amount of animosity there between this King Agrippa and even the people of the Jews. Um, his hesitation. We know a little bit about his history, but what about his hesitation? Well, after hearing the testimony of Paul, after receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, Agrippa responds, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now, you've got to be careful because, you know, in the day and age in which we live, we, um, we have access to a lot of information. I'm just going to tell you right now. Um, you get, go ahead. just you know You can get on the Internet, and you're going to read after everybody under the sun. You need to be real careful who you read after. Let me just tell you, there are people that are saying crazy stuff about that statement. Almost thou persuades me to be a Christian. And, he, and there's some that say, well, what that really means is, and they'll, they'll go into this, uh, this explanation that he was saying, in such a short time, you really think that I was going to be turned to be a Christian? You was going to convince me to be a Christian in such a short time? Almost thou persuades me to be a Christian? How'd they get that out of that? I'll tell you why, because they got a perverted Bible. Changing the wording. Changing what it says. That's so all I'm saying is that you need to be careful. Don't you be careful just rushing to the internet to look up answers and look up uh, questions that you have about standards and about biblical principles and about things that matter in life. You better be real careful with that. Because you know what ultimately is the case? You become who you read after. You, 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 you hear somebody cry, uh, tell you that the sky's red enough times, you're going to believe the sky's red. And I'm telling you, you say, oh, I would never do that. I. I, I I eat the meat and throw out the bones, whatever. I'm so sick of that stupidity. I mean, that burns my hide because we got all these preachers here in America today that are all going liberal that used to say that same trash when I was in Bible college. And I'm watching them fall left and right because they're so strong spiritually, right? So now they got Christian rock in their pulpits, and they've got girls running around in miniskirts in their pulpit, and they've got all this junk going on in their churches calling it Christian today. Oh, but they pick, They could eat the meat and throw out the bones. Yeah, right. And so that means we're strong enough to do it then, right? Yeah, right. If they can't do it, I know I'm not even going to attempt to do that. You better be careful who you read after. Careful who you read after and who you who you listen to. And I, I just noticed when I was going through this, I just wanted to see what some people thought about that statement. I couldn't believe how ridiculous and how they were getting, where they were even getting it from. They didn't support it. They just said it. You know what I mean? But that's how we get dumb stuff going. And preacher, I don't understand. You said this, but I've done some study, and it actually means this. Really? Well, where'd you get that from? Well, I just was reading my Bible. <laughs> you didn't get it from that. Well, You know where I'm going with that? you got to be careful with stuff like that, okay? Just be real careful. Probably the greatest soul winner that ever lived was Paul, the Apostle Paul, outside of Jesus Christ. I, I'm sure everybody, most people would agree that's read their Bible. This guy was phenomenal. He was out of this world. And yet, it's interesting to me uh, to note that, that that even though he shares the gospel with this man, he chooses to reject the Savior. I got a little bit excited about that. You say, what do you mean? Why, wouldn't you, why was you excited? Because now I kind of understand why people might reject my presentation. You mean, I shouldn't get discouraged then? Because, I mean, even the Apostle Paul, the greatest soul winner that probably ever lived outside of Jesus Christ, had somebody reject him. And this guy even had an understanding of the Word of God. And he still turned down, the, turned down the man of God. You know, we go out, you know, we knock on some doors or we get out there in the public, we talk to our friends and family, and somebody rejects the gospel and we're like, oh, man, nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody cares about God anymore. That has nothing to do with it. Paul won. was privileged to win thousands to Christ, but he couldn't win everyone. Man, you've got to keep going till you find the one. Amen. Amen? Keep going. Don't get discouraged. Even Paul couldn't win them all. That encouraged me. I don't know. Maybe don't encourage you. That encouraged the life out of me. I like that. Because I just don't seem to be able to win everyone I talk to either. His hesitation. His hopelessness. He was so close and yet he was so far, Agrippa was. See, almost is no closer to heaven than total disdain for God. You, you could just say, I hate God. You could say that. I, I get nervous just saying it. Let me tell you something, you're no further away than Agrippa was at that point in his life. He was that far away from God, that far away from salvation, when he said, almost, thou persuadest me. He was that far still. Someone says, man, they're really close to being saved. Yeah, but they're as far from heaven as, as the, the worst sinner in the world yet. You, you understand where I'm going with this? We've got to keep this in mind when we deal with people. Just because somebody's a good person, they they have some they they seem to be catching on, they're getting it. That's a good thing, and we should be encouraged by that. But listen, if they die that moment without Jesus Christ, they're going to end up in the same hell that Hitler ended up in. Assuming Hitler didn't trust Christ before he died. I mean, you know, we can go ahead and say, well, yeah, but he killed millions of Jews. That's a whole different ball game. No. No, I'm talking about the, the, the worst of sinners, least of sinners. It doesn't matter. Sin is all that matters. Agrippa, although he was almost persuaded, was just as far away from heaven as Satan himself is today. That's sad, isn't it? History gives us no indication that Agrippa ever turned his life over to Jesus Christ. You know, as a matter of fact, Agrippa, he, you know, in 70 A.D., of course, the, uh, Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. And um, when that was destroyed, Agrippa actually consented. He was in agreement with it. He uh, was okay with it. And over a million people lost their lives. A million Jews lost their lives in that siege. And yet he was all right with that. There's nothing in history that indicates that Agrippa ever came to Christ. Or I mean, you say, well, what's the big deal? I mean, wh- wh- he... Look at his name even. He called himself great king, pious friend of Caesar, and friend of what? Rome. Wait a second. Rome was murdering Christians. I'm having a hard time. He was a friend of Rome, and yet he knew Christ as a Savior. So what I'm saying is that there's nothing historically that, that indicates that Agrippa ever got any closer than he was that moment he spoke to Paul the Apostle. As a matter of fact, if there's one event that will haunt him, in the flames of eternity, forever and ever and ever, it's going to be that meeting that he had with the Apostle Paul. He'll forever remember that meeting. He'll forever remember those words. And he'll forever have etched in his mind, almost. Almost persuaded. We sing a song, an altar call, almost persuaded. Isn't that something? Agrippa made the mistake of rejecting Christ and miscalculated its consequences. It seems that every time we turn around, miscalculations seem to end up with their consequences. Miscalculating consequences. Miscalculating consequences. Over and over again. The mistake is made, but the problem is often they do not calculate the consequences. We don't really think about it. You know, every one of us struggle with really looking consequences square in the face. We really struggle with that. It's tough for us. You know, we we, we really we don't, we were not so bold to say, it'll never happen to me, but we really don't contemplate accurately and honestly what the consequences will really be. Agrippa made the mistake of rejecting Christ and miscalculated its consequences. And I'll tell you what, that was a big mistake on his part. At the time, it seemed like it was the best move politically. At the time, it may have seemed like it was the best move profitably. I mean, he had a lot going for him as far as his, his uh, uh, profession was concerned. You know, he was a big man on campus. He had a lot of influence. Let's face it, he had to get rid of that sister of his and start living like a man of God. So, I mean, he, he wasn't ready to make any kind of decision that would even remotely cause him to have to think about changing his lifestyle. So here he is, almost thou uh, persuadest me. I think what he was probably saying is, you know what, if I wasn't holding on so tightly to this world, if I didn't care so much about my immoral relationships, if I wasn't so bound by my sin, and I had no, and if I wasn't so uh, determined to enjoy life now and to sow my wild oats, so to speak, I would probably become a Christian, but I have things to do yet. I still have life to live. Sounds like more than young people today used to be we talked about young people that way. You know, uh, they just aren't ready to be saved because they want to live life and they feel they're going to miss out on something. Sadly enough, now we have 40 and 50-year-olds acting like children. And that's exactly what we're acting like. It's ridiculous. I don't even want to get started on that. <laughs> There's something inside me getting really upset thinking about that right now. Doesn't it bother you to see these people trying to dress and act like 30 and 20 year olds again Does that bother you? Yes. it bothers the life out of me but but that's what a culture of sin and immorality has caused in our world everybody wants to pretend they're all young again am I missing a picture? yes okay uh, hopefully I'm oh no I'm not no I'm not missing a picture I'm missing six statements and they're going to pop up in just a second with this little secret tool I have here <laughs> practical association for believers now let's, let's come to the conclusion let's get a few things learned here There can be a lot of, uh, uh, listen, there can be a lot of almost taking place in our lives as believers if we're not careful. A lot of almost. Let let me give you a couple of them real quick. We are almost persuaded to forsake sin ourselves. Uh, Have you ever been in a service, maybe not even just like this, maybe a a preaching service or a Sunday school class and uh, the teacher hits on a particular issue, Uh, a sin maybe, Uh, an area of your life that you're weak in and... You're convicted about that area. You know that there's something there that they're teaching that really hits the spot. It's right on target. You need to do something about it. Sin is being brought to the forefront. And you're going, I've got to confess this. I need to forsake it. I've got to, I need to repent of it. I've got to go forward. And you get up and you walk out the same as you were. Almost. Almost thou persuadest me to forsake a sin. Okay, maybe you're saved. Okay, that's not the issue. We're not discussing salvation now. Okay, King Agrippa, a lot different ball game, right? I mean, he was lost. He almost persuades me to become a Christian. That's a big difference, right? I understand that. But wait a second. You're a child of God. You have the living God living in you, and I have the living God living in me. And the fact is, is that when we're convicted of sin, we need to act on that. We ought to obey the Lord. I mean, it would make sense, right? But almost thou persuadest me to forsake a sin. Okay, it's not, well, the preacher almost made me forsake a sin, or the Sunday school teacher almost persuaded me to forsake a sin. No, <clears throat> it was God, see, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when it was all said and done, it wasn't Paul that Agrippa rejected. It was Jesus Christ. And may I say, it's not going to be the messenger of the message that you're convicted of a certain sin that you're going to reject. You're going to be rejecting the God who sent the messenger and allowed the Holy Spirit to pinpoint that in your heart. Almost thou persuadest me to forsake a sin. We've got to be careful because we can enter into that that particular sea quite often as believers. If we're not careful now, we've got to be careful. Or maybe we're almost persuaded to forgive an offender. You know, the Holy Spirit of God, we're in our devotions in the mornings. We're spending time with God. We get in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes it very clear that we're holding some ill feelings towards someone. That we're struggling with uh, uh, maybe some bitterness in our heart toward a brother or sister in Christ. That we're not being perfectly honest with Him, with ourselves, or with the other party. I and mean, he just makes it clear maybe we're in a message and we're preaching the, the the message being preached and the spirit of God speaks through that message and drives home that truth that there's just there's a kink between you and another brother or sister in Christ there's something that needs to be dealt with or maybe possibly there's something between you and your pastor or you and your wife or you and your husband or maybe an issue between you and your uh family member or friend or s- coworker and you go you know what I need to deal with that it 's right there yeah i i 'm struggling with that a little bit i it, you 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 think about it, you think about it, but then you get up and you convince yourself it 's probably not as bad as i you know okay, maybe that was just my feelings you know just emotions i've been you know i 've been trying to do better i 've been reading my Bible and praying and I go to church all the time, and the Lord would make it really, 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 really clear. Almost, you persuade me to forgive an offender. Almost, Lord, I'm convinced. Almost, I'm persuaded. I was that close, Lord. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. You drove home that truth. You pinpointed that area of my life that needed addressed. You even brought that face, that name, that situation even maybe to my mind. Almost. Thou persuadest me to forgive an offender. Christians are good at getting almost to forgiveness. Almost. We're almost persuaded to fight the good fight. Now, when I'm talking about the good fight, I know we could talk about a number of things, but let's just narrow it down to some basics. Uh, You know, being in the Word of God. I'm not talking about just reading it. I'm talking about studying. When's the last time you memorized some Scripture? When's the last time you fought the fight? You actually committed it to memory. You say, I'm not good at memorizing. I didn't ask how many you memorized. I said, when was the last time you tried to memorize something? You, that you, and you finally did. Because if you try, listen, I, you know what? The funny thing <laughs> is, every one of you tried to get here tonight. And it's amazing you did. A, a number of you probably tried to go to work this morning. It's funny how you did. Most of you tried to take a shower or bath today. You did. Seems like everything you really try to do, you do. You know, it's funny to me how, when it comes to spiritual matters, we just aren't, we can't do those things. You know, I'm not, I, I can't, I can't witness to my friends or family. I, I can't read my Bible and pray uh, all the time like that. I, 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 it's just different with me. I'm not a good reader, and, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, memorizing Scripture. That's just not for me. I don't have a mind like that. I just can't do that anymore. Okay. Well, how many years has it been since you have done it? Oh, that's right, that stopped when you were 14. That's why you had such a hard time getting through high school because you never even tried. No, you got through high school probably because you actually did what you had to do to get through. But now we got the God of heaven that's just asking us to do it so it will better us and provide Him with an opportunity to get close to us. I'm just saying, we're ready to fight the battle, stand in our workplaces, stand in our schools, stand wherever we are, whenever we are, Almost thou persuadest me. Man, the preacher gets up and he preaches the message. He gets fired up and we go, Man, I need to live for God. i got to stand for Jesus. We even come to an altar and we say, Lord, help me to stand for you. Help me to be a witness at work. Help me to be a witness at school. Help me, God, to read my Bible and pray like I ought to. Help me, God. And out the door we go. And we go right back into our old ways. Almost, Lord, thou persuadest me. To fight the good fight. Almost. Oh, we like to point at Agrippa and we say, man, he messed up by the numbers. Is that Agrippa? If only Agrippa would have yielded to God. If only Agrippa would have obeyed the Holy Spirit. If only Agrippa would have been saved as he ought to have been. And we do the same thing as believers. Almost thou persuadest me to fight the good fight. Oh, I know I should have passed that track out, but I got a little bit scared and I didn't. Almost thou persuadest me to fight the good fight. It's pretty sad, isn't it? We're almost persuaded to find the one. Almost persuaded. You know, we we get around our family and our friends, and something inside says you need to talk to them. You-, you you need to share with them. You need to mention something. To them. You need to ask them to come to church, and then you need to ask them to get you know if, where they are at spiritually. You need to use that as a springboard. You you need to talk to them about me. And we go. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they, I wonder maybe I wonder if somebody else has talked to him yet. I wonder if one of my other family members have dealt with that. Hold on, God goes, no, I'm talking to you, and you go, and you know he's talking to you, and you dismiss what he's saying, and you walk out the door, you go your own way, and next thing you know, in reality, like Agrippa, you say, almost, thou persuadest me. To find the one. To be that witness you called me to be. I came that close. I was so tempted to talk to them. But then, you know, then everything changed. And somebody walked in the room. And then this happened. And that happened. And we talk ourselves out of it. And we say, well, really, it wasn't my responsibility. If God wanted me to talk to him, he'd have cleared the whole room. All 40 people would have left the the family reunion early. And they'd have been the only ones sitting there. And it doesn't work like that. Almost thou persuadest me to find the one. Almost. Like Agrippa, Lord, I almost was persuaded to obey you. Like Agrippa, Lord, I was almost ready to do your will. We're almost persuaded to forget the past, forgetting those things which are what behind. Boy, how many times has the devil held us up, held us hostage to our past? I mean, really, constantly. It's a, it's a constant battle in lives, many lives. That's why it's so important, you young men, you young ladies, that you don't get involved in sin early on in your life. I and mean, when I'm not talking about sin, I'm talking about sins that will ultimately come back to bite you, sins that demand major consequences in your life. Let me tell you something. Those things are things that the devil will use your whole life, if you're not careful, to constantly and continually try to discourage you and distract you from the work of God. It'll keep you from enjoying the Lord, from truly experiencing His benefit in your life. Well, I'll tell you what, it's so dangerous. We're almost persuaded to forget the past. I mean, we read the scriptures in Philippians. We understand in Ephesians, and we know in Colossians, and we understand how God works and how he forgives and how he moves. And we go, man, I know I need to put my past behind me. I know I'm forgiven. I know that it's okay to move forward in life. And then you go, but you know what? I'm just a nothing. I'm a big zero. I get a little bit fed up with listening to people talk about how little they are and trying to, trying to somehow... Now, now, there's a difference. Watch this. Trying to somehow portray a spirit of humility. I don't like that. I don't like that fake humility stuff. If somebody has to run around going, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I can't do anything. You're trying too hard to be humble, friend. That's not, that's not, that's not humility at all. That, that's not humility. You know, do us all a favor and just, you know, even a fool when he holds his peace is counted wise, and a man that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Just shut your mouth, and we'll all think that you're spiritual. That's what the Bible teaches. We'll all think you're smart and wise and got it all going. But when you open that mouth and you start using that fake humility, stuff, oh, I'm just nobody. I couldn't sing. Oh, please. I can't believe you're asking me. Oh come on! If you got any voice at all, you know you got one. Because I'm not talking about going around going, look at me, you know. And that's not what I'm talking about, you know. Hey, that's not what I'm talking about. But but come on, you know. I says, hey, can you can you help us move the pulpit? Well, I don't know. I'm not very strong. <laughs> and you're about six foot six, 240 pounds, you know. Come on, you know that's not humility. That's stupidity we're all like you could pick it up by yourself you don't even need us you know but you know where i'm going i'm just trying i mean using a little bit of exaggeration there but 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 there's nothing wrong but but you know but when you are really to the point in your life where the devil's convinced you that you really are nobody i mean it's not it's not an attempt to try to pers- you know f- provide a persona of humility you legitimately feel like you are nothing and i say that's not a biblical position It's not a scriptural position. You're nothing without Christ. That's a biblical position. I'm nothing without Christ. But last I checked, we're more than conquerors through Christ. Last I checked, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So, we need to be very careful with this mentality because it borders on the line of false humility and unscriptural rebellion. Where we're not being willing to adhere to God's word. Not really to embrace God's truths. Uh, you know, you're you're like Gideon today. Hey, mighty man, mighty woman of valor. That's what God's saying to you and I tonight. And we're looking at God going, and, and if the devil gets a hold of you about your past, you're going, <laughs> yeah, you got the wrong guy and gal here. No, but really, that that's not true. He's got the right one. You're the right one. But you got to see yourself the way God sees you. And You'll never see yourself the way God sees you as long as you're holding on to your past. As long as you don't put that behind you and move forward. As long as you don't forgive yourself too. I, I believe God's forgiven me. That's good. Have you forgiven yourself? That's usually a bigger question. Because God's already forgiven you if you've asked. That's, that's simple for God. It's hard for us humans to do that. See, I find it sometimes a lot easier to forgive others than I do forgive myself. I don't know about you, but that I feel that way sometimes. I, I almost feel I need to chasten myself, chastise myself a little bit. And unfortunately, God says, wait a second, who's the judge and who's the king? I am. You let me worry about that. I'll judge you. You don't need to judge yourself. I just want to encourage you to, when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart and tells you that your sin is washed away and that He's forgiven you of, say, a transgression in your life, even following your salvation... Don't just almost be persuaded. Forget the past. Move forward, would you? Don't let the devil have that stronghold in your life. And finally, we're almost persuaded to forge ahead. Well, that second part of that verse is to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, we get that past behind us, and now it's time to move forward. How many people have not allowed God to to use them in a mighty way? Uh, in their spiritual life and even in a practical sense because, again, they're holding on to something that's not theirs to hold on to anymore. See, when God purchased, purchased me, He bought all of it. Good, bad, and indifferent. As is. He bought it as is. That means all the flaws and all the mess, it's all His. And when God called me to the ministry, He knew how messed up I was. And He still did it. Now, the question is, Will I allow him to use me and say, okay, well, Lord, I don't really see myself doing what you're calling me to do, but you obviously see me doing something far beyond my personal view. You're going to be responsible for the outcome. You do understand that, right? And he says, yeah, I understand that, or I would have called you. I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting. And he knows what he's getting with you. Almost thou persuadest me, Lord, to forge ahead. I almost took that Sunday school class. I almost stepped into the bus ministry. I almost went to the training. I almost got involved in the choir. I almost forged ahead. I almost took that step in that direction. Almost. We're a lot like King Agrippa, more than we might ever want to imagine. These almost. But Paul said this in Acts 26, 29 as we close. Paul said... I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am. Except these bonds. He says, "I, I wish and would like you almost, not only to almost be, but altogether be saved. I don't want you to almost, but altogether forsake sin. And altogether forgive an offender. Altogether fight the good fight. Find the one. Forget the past. Forge ahead. I want you all in. That's what he's saying. Agrippa made the mistake of rejecting Christ and miscalculating its consequences. The question is, will we make the mistake of rejecting Christ as our head? We know he's already in our heart. But will we allow him to rule in our, as headship in our life? Because to do so would be to miscalculate the consequences. There is no better life in the world than the Christian life when it's lived according to the word of God. I'm not talking about the Christian life that you've seen lived out before you in most cases. It's not the life I'm talking about. Very few people have ever truly seen the Christian life lived out before them. They've heard of people that profess Christ, but very few have truly seen it lived out. And may I say that the life that is lived in the Christian life, according to the Word of God, is a life of joy, peace, purpose. It it provides for a person. It is fulfilling. Christ is enough. He's enough. And I want to encourage you to let Christ be your head. Not almost be your head. I almost gave you authority in my life to rule and to reign. I almost allowed you to order my steps, Lord. I almost allowed you to do that. Now let God do that in your life. Start start off real simple by just going to God and confessing that you've not allowed God to to guide and direct your steps the way you ought, He ought to have been permitted, that He's now your, your Savior, but now you want Him to be Lord in your life. You say, well, He's already my Savior and my Lord. He's only your Lord if you allow Him to be. I mean, He's going to Lord over you either way one day. You're going to bow your knee either way. But my point is, is that in practical speaking, you choose to let God rule in your life. So do I. Just because I name the name of Christ doesn't mean that He's the head of my life. I can be the King of my life. I love that message that, brother, we talked about him today, brother Ham, Ham, Hamilton Sr. preached. The, King, the kingdom of me. You may have heard. He, he, taught, he preached the message, the kingdom of me. I, that, was that at the couples retreat or was that here in the church? The went to? Oh, at the tent revival. Yeah, the kingdom of me. That was a tremendous message. The kingdom of me. And, you know, just in a way that only he could do it, he brought that across. And what a great job he did. You know what? We can be the king of our own domain. God help us. Not just to be almost persuaded, but to be persuaded to let God be our head. To take control, take the lead in our life. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the opportunity that we had to gather tonight. We do pray for your leadership, your love and mercy. Again, Lord, we certainly owe you everything. And Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're just all sinners saved by grace here.